So on holiday weekends, one of the local radio stations in our area does an all 90s weekend where they play only songs that were released in the 1990s. And Memorial Day weekend, this is one of those times where they do this. And I was in my car recently and I had this station on and it's always a joy for me to listen to the station. It brings back a flood of memories and just so many happy thoughts and happy feelings related to this era of music. Well, on this particular day, as I was driving, the station started to play the song Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. This is a song that is featured on the movie soundtrack for the movie City of Angels, starring Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan. And I remember when it was released, it was one of my first encounters with a rock song that features strings. And for that reason, I was fascinated by it. And I did go through a phase where I listened to that song a lot. And it wasn't until later that I really started paying more attention to the lyrics. And on this particular day, as I heard this song again, so many years later, this is, this is a song about someone who wants to be known and wants to be seen. It's kind of a crying out. It's a, it's a bit of a lament. This singer who, who wants to be known and seen by the person to whom they're singing. And it struck me differently as I heard it this recently. And I had to hold back the temptation to just scream, sing the lyrics in my car as I was driving along. It just hit me in the right way on that particular day and in that particular moment. This this feeling of not being seen, this feeling of lostness, this feeling of not being fully known. Now, this song I encountered again on this particular day was at the end of a long week. It has been a very hard week, listeners. And even before that, it's been a hard couple of weeks. The most recent cause for sadness and despair and anger has been the school shooting in Texas.
where multiple children lost their lives along with several teachers. And there are so many questions still being asked. There is so much outrage still being expressed about what has happened and how some have chosen to react or not react. Along with that has also been another shooting in Buffalo and another shooting in a church. There has been a report released by the Southern Baptist Convention with over 200 pages of findings regarding clergy misconduct and abuse. The possible overturning of a landmark decision regarding women's privacy has sent so many wondering what the future of women's rights is going to look like. It has been hard. And so, so many of us need an outlet. So many of us need outlets to be able to grieve, to be able to feel pain, but also to voice that pain, to name it, to express it. We need outlets to yell. We need outlets to lament. We need outlets to scream, sing our own songs of suffering and anxiety and uncertainty. And I'm here to tell you this week that you are allowed to do so. You don't need my permission, exactly, but I am saying that as expressing emotions go, there, there is still this fear because expressing too much emotion can make people uncomfortable and can, can cause people to react negatively. And so we have been socialized to avoid doing too much of that. But we need it. We need it for our own health. We need it for our own physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. And I would say we also need it for a greater social health. For people to be able to voice their pain and their stories, to be able to sing their own songs of grief and suffering and uncertainty in the face of all of this, that can help change minds and that can help change the world for the better. To be able to tell our stories of lament. But first, we need to know that we can do it, and we might also need to know how to do it. Welcome to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast.
years and years ago, I was part of a Christian community that was, one could say at the least, quite more on the conservative side of the spectrum. And this, of course, included a view of God that was much more authoritative and sovereign in nature. And one of the ways that this was expressed to me was during a moment when I was not doing well. I, I was going through a series of crises at once. Three, four, five different things happening at the same time, layered on top of each other. And it was very, very hard, very painful to try to sort through them all. And I was feeling very overwhelmed. And there was one night, again, this ends up being a car story. One night I was driving in my car and I often in those days prayed in my car. And this was a prayer, but it was a very loud and angry prayer as I was driving down the road. And I had a while to yell at God because this was just a long drive in the country. And I was just letting God know how I was feeling about a lot of different things. A little bit later, I was talking to a friend about various things, and I brought up that I had had this loud, angry prayer session. And I remember the look on his face, and I remember his reaction to the very notion that I yelled at God as if this is just, this is beyond the pale. You shouldn't be yelling at, at God. You, you, you know who God is? God is the sovereign one. God is the one to be trusted and loved regardless. Now, here's, here's my thought um, about that. One, one of many thoughts about it. the first for the the first thing is that this kind of a of a theological reaction to a person in pain is the direct opposite of being helpful this is not caregiving this is not giving love and support you know, some, someone who expresses that they are angry and upset and confused and that they expressed this anger and confusion to God, it's not the best tactic to say, oh, you can't do that. You, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, sure, you're in pain, whatever. But don't be yelling at God about it. It's just a bad way to care for someone in pain. 
That's the first thing, and, it, and it's, it's a direct result of that kind of theology. The second thing is the theology itself. Let's take a step back. God as this infinite being, this one who has created worlds, has created universe, universes, has created all seen and unseen. Do you think that that kind of a being can't handle one little tiny speck's anger? It's quite baffling and ridiculous if you really stop to think about it. God can handle our pain. God can handle our anger. God can handle our suffering. God can handle our yelly prayers from our cars. Because of who God is. Not only because of who God is, but because God has already shown that God cares for Christians in the person of Jesus. Not only that, but there are entire chunks of the Bible where people express their anger and frustration and uncertainty to God. Consider the book of Psalms. I have said this before, I have written this before, the book of Psalms spans the entire spectrum of human experience and human emotion. Not just expressed for its own sake, but expressed to God. This includes Psalms of lament and Psalms of anger at what God has done or what God has not done. Anger at God's perceived absence. Anger at what God has, from the writer's point of view, inflicted on the writer. Anger at this ongoing state of suffering that seems to have no resolution in sight, no end in sight, nothing but despair for as far as the writer can see. There's a lot of anger in the Bible. A lot of different biblical characters express anger. Abraham expresses anger. Moses expresses anger. David. Even Jesus. He doesn't necessarily get as angry, but he does quote Psalm 22 from the cross. Why have you forsaken me? In the garden, as he is praying in Gethsemane, he says, please don't make me do this. But I will. For the sake of what will happen after. Paul laments some kind of unseen affliction. He calls it a thorn in his side. 
He presents that to God. Numerous times, he said, I ask God to remove this from me. But it was not to be. So there's a lot of anger expressed at God in the Bible. Job, there's another one. That's a big one. All this horrendous thing, all this horrendous stuff happens to Job. And for chapters, he says, what did I do to deserve this? Where are you? What is going on? I want some answers. Now, of course, he eventually gets his answer in a way. And eventually there is some resolution, at least in that story. Jeremiah, the prophet, is another one. He is, for a reason, called the weeping prophet sometimes. Because in the midst of saying all of this painful stuff to the people, calling them out, calling them back to faithfulness, he also says, I really wish I could do something else. I really wish you wouldn't make me keep saying these things. They're painful for me. They are causing me pain. They are holding them accountable. I really wish you had chosen someone else to do this. Now, Jeremiah is also credited with writing another book in the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Scriptures, called Lamentations. Jeremiah wrote a whole book where he does nothing but lament. Where he does nothing but let God know how angry, upset, frustrated, sad, anxious he is about what he is going through. I want to introduce you to just a small chunk of what is written in this book called Lamentations. And I'm going to be talking about Lamentations chapter 3. Now, the first 20 or so verses of this chapter, it is nothing but lament. It is nothing but Jeremiah blaming God for all of his pain, yelling at God for all of his pain. He says things like, I am one. This is how he starts. I am one who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. A little bit later, he says, he's made me sit in darkness like the dead of long ago. He shot into my vitals the arrows of his quiver. There's a visual for you. That's verse 13. I have become the laughingstock of all my people, the object of their taunt songs all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made my teeth grind on gravel. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. Jeremiah is having a rough time. 
and he is openly expressing, pulling no punches about how he feels about all of it. And he is directing all of these emotions right at God. Now again, God can handle this type of prayer. God can totally handle the anger of one little piece of God's creation. Now, there is a bit of hopefulness included in this chapter. In verse 21, he says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Why does he have hope? The, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Somebody wrote a hymn about that line. And so... On it goes, where even despite everything that Jeremiah is going through right now, he says, and yet, I have hope, because God is ultimately faithful. God is ultimately the source of love and mercy. And so what I am going through, there is another side to things, and I know that God is still with me and will see me through. Not going to stop me from yelling at God, though. And that's all right. That's part of the deal. Jeremiah knows that. God knows that. This is just one small way where we are shown that it's okay to yell at God. It's okay to lament. It's okay to voice these kinds of feelings. But there's also another side to it. This yelling, this expression of lament, can be rooted for people of faith in that faith. In that faith that something else is also at work, that God has not let us go, that God will hold us while we yell and while we weep and while we scream, sing, that God gives us that permission as part of God's beloved creation. So now that we've established that it's okay to express feelings of lament and that God can handle 
our feelings and our expressions of lament. I thought that I would spend a little bit of time kind of walking through one way that you could write your own lament. Whether you think of it as a psalm of lament or whether you think of it as something similar to what Jeremiah expresses in Lamentations, which is also pretty similar to what the Psalms end up reading and sounding like. I've done this before in my ministry, and I think that people found it helpful when I offered it in that kind of a context. And so I want to provide it for this audience as well. So here very briefly are the components of writing a lament. You can mess with the order a little bit if you want. You can play with it. There, there are no hard and fast rules to expressing yourself in this way or any other way. It's just some general perhaps guidelines or a beginning structure that you can make your own. So the elements of writing a lament. This includes your affliction. What is causing you to feel afflicted? What, what has happened? What is going on in your life that is causing you this pain, that is causing you to scream sing in this way? What is going on? That's, that's the first thing. What name your affliction? The second part is how you feel about it. What, what sorts of feelings are churning and writhing and swirling within you as a result of this affliction? What is going on within you? What are you feeling? What are you dealing with as this happens. The third element, it's similar to naming your affliction, but you might go into deeper detail into the sources of particular pain for you. You could think of the naming the affliction piece as kind of the general part of it, but then go ahead and drill down and name those things that are particular happenings, particular sources within that larger affliction that is causing you this anguish. So name those particular sources of pain. Next, similar to that second section in Lamentations 3, what is your cause or what are your causes? for hope. What, what do you, what are you relying on for your sense of hope, for your sense of groundedness, for your sense of peace, even in the midst of so much chaos? And if you can't name any, then you can name that. But if there is something that 
you are holding on to no matter what, that it gives you some little semblance that you might make it through this. What is that? Or what are those things? And finally, what have been your past sources of relief? In part, this could help name for you what your current cause of hope is. Well, this is what I have hung on to previously. This is what hap has happened to me previously. This is what has carried me through previously. And so that is why I name my current cause for hope. And at the same time, as you are naming those past sources, what is also your source of anticipation? What is causing you to think about the future? That is pulling you into the future, even if you're not sure totally what it looks like. Name those things. And again, that might be related to your cause for hope, and it might be related to your past source of relief. So that really is it. Those are the components that I would suggest for writing or expressing a lament. The overall affliction that you're dealing with, what are your feelings about it? What's churning inside you? What are your particular drilled down sources of pain in the midst of this affliction? What is your cause for hope or your causes for hope in this present time? And how might this present cause or present causes of hope be related to past instances or sources of relief as well as what might help you anticipate the future. And that's really about it. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be poetic. It doesn't even have to be long. You could just write out a sentence or two for each of these, and it would be enough because you have named them. You've named what you're going through and your possible reasons to keep going, to keep persevering. But know this, lamentation is a worthwhile thing. It is a needed thing, a necessary thing, and it is a thing that God allows us to do. Because again, God can handle it. And it is a part of our ongoing relationship with this infinite force that is guiding us along, even in our darkest of moments. Thank you for listening to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast. I'm Jeff Nelson. You can find more about my writing, including my five books, at jeffreyanelson.com. You can also find me on social media, facebook.com slash revjeffnelson, 
and I'm at BoldRoastRev on both Twitter and Instagram. Have a great week.